down your unders. Down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Art of War. Down Under. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this episode 170 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. I am joined by two illustrious gentlemen intervening on the Emperor's behalf. For the Adeptus Sororitas to do this index review, uh, Faction is absolutely having a phenomenal resurgence literally out of nowhere. We did not see this coming. No one saw this coming. And uh, they are literally doing it across many tables in this big wide world of Warhammer that we have. I am joined by two fantastic gents, one of which does resemble um, Ash Ketchum in name only. He does turn his hat backwards when he rolls his Miracle Dice, I have been told. His name is Scott Ketchum, and he was the, the first gentleman, I believe, to get a 5-0 run with sisters in the game. Uh, I, I, I do also believe that was on World Games live stream. if you want to go back and watch it. Scott, how you doing, mate? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited to review the index. And also joined by the venerable Mitch Beard, coming back for, I think, his second or even third time on the show. Hello, brother. Hi. How's it going, Adam? Love to be back. You've got the uh, pro and the talking head, the perfect pair. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, uh, Mitch has skewed his uh, his ability or his willingness to plug his own show, that being Sister Act, and Scott has put his hand up saying, I would like to do it. Uh, go for it, mate. Tell us about Sister Act 40K. Sister Act 40K, I think they just completed uh, their 50th, you know, maybe 50.1 episodes really? of a podcast for Adeptus Sororitas Enthusiasts. Everything Sisters of Battle, you'll find it in the podcast, talking about tactics, just talking about lore. But also they have a great Discord community where we chat about, um, you know, anything from hobby to, you know, fun, goofy tactics to winning tournaments. Um, so you should definitely sign up and give Mitch all your money. Mitch, should we clip it? Because <laughs> you ain't going to do better than that. I, I, I Look, I'm fine. I nearly spit out my drink when he said Adeptus Horses Enthusiast because I say it at the top of every show. That's, that's I good. knew you would Thank love you, that. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful work. Uh, anyway, for those of you who do not know, Out of War Down Under is predominantly a review-based podcast, and you're listening to this right now. So you are listening to this in, in, with the intent of getting a review-based podcast. We are going to be sitting here reviewing the Abdusus Royce Index, as we have done, as we will continue to do as we work our way through all these indexes. There is a couple left to at least, and then we'll be having some codexes drop, and we'll be reviewing those when they come as well, as well as balanced data slates, new mission packs, etc., etc. Um this is a two-part podcast. First part comes out lovingly for you guys, curated by myself and Seamus Ronan at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Tuesdays. And then the part two can be found over at Art of War down under over on Patreon. If you want to jump over there and support me, I would be greatly appreciative. Uh, this is 170 of these things, which means there's at least 170 hours of content over behind the paywall, which is kind of ridiculous now that I think about it. But if you would like to get any of that stuff, go over and join us there. And in that part, it will be a Q&A and Tactica with these two lovely gentlemen answering a bunch of patron questions. So jumping in, the uh, Dr. Sorotis gentlemen, we're going to get the hot takes. When you first went through this index as somebody who adores the Sisters of Battle, what was your first hot take what was your gut feel back when uh 10th edition first dropped what's we'll up with you mitch well okay so there, there's sisters have definitely had two very distinct phases there's pre and post data slate pre data slate i remember reading the book and thinking well there's a lot of units that don't look as great as they were especially the melee that we were used to right like sacrosins yeah. repentia just like a lot of buffs disappeared and and the the base stat lines went down as well and then i tested out and i was like 
Yup. Uh, yup. And unfortunately, I was doing a run up to WTC for Team Iceland, so I had to put them on the shelf and practice mm-hmm. my butt off with a different faction. Uh, but after the data slate, I think I turned it around, gave it a new eye to the book, and I've been much more enthused. So early days, I'd say, not too hype. But nowadays, post-data slate, it's a very cool faction to be playing right now. Scott, what about yourself? Uh, first of all, I'd just like to point out that uh, Mitch just admitted that he's a heretic. But uh, <laughs> nope. as far as <laughs> as far as the index, you know, I shared uh, a lot of similar feelings to Mitch. I think we felt like we lost a lot of our punch especially for those of us that were playing Bloody Rose. But even those of us that were playing Valorous Heart with the 30 Sacrosins, even you know the Sacrosins lost their two-up save. So yeah. we felt a little left out in the wind, I think. Um, and initially, I was shifting towards more hulls and tanks and things. Um, and we always had... You know, Exorcists always look good, to be honest, I think. Um, but I think after the data slate, where our points improved, but not only that, as I think the top factions kind of were brought down and... Now we have a way to compete. Totally agree. I think um, my first impressions, because I I went over every index lightly, trying to get a little bit of sense of identity and things. Um, it was an index that didn't seem to do anything well. It was it did not it did everything mediocrely, and everything it did yep. it did worse than another power armored faction. Like it was obviously worse than Curse Space Marines, obviously worse than um, regular you know in, uh, index uh, Astartes. And I was like, okay, so they used to be. It used to be the janky, the janky marine equivalent. You know, it used to be the the <laughs> the the marine army with the kind of Eldar playbook, so to speak. Yeah, um, yeah. And then it was like, okay, so it doesn't do that anymore. So what does it do? Okay, look, look at let's look at the shooting units. Okay, it's an army based off Melter. Well, Melter sucks. Well, yeah, uh, by default <laughs> because every other toughness has now outstripped Melter's strength. So okay, Melter sucks. Okay, cool. All right. So can they? Does that mean that they can have a the best? You know, the flamers. Cool. Okay, flamers. Let's look at flamers. They can they can Overwatch good. And I'm like, okay, so there's no support for Overwatch in this book. There's no there's no nope. Overwatch. Make Overwatch more better. There is no Overwatch twicees. There's no Overwatch freezes. Um, oh, sorry, correct me if I'm wrong there as well. And um. So okay, cool. Uh, they're not doing that. So all right, cool. Melee, melee. Let's let's go melee. Uh, they're not doing that either. All the profiles suck. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is a a book without a identity on the table. Apart from being worse toughness uh, than Marines, this, that's pretty much where I was at with it. So I'm very glad to see, very glad to hear from you two gents that um, the Battle Star Slide has truly reinvigorated this faction. In addition, I think if you correct me if I'm wrong, um, like many others, like several other factions. Um, it wasn't so much about the buffs you got in the balanced data slate, it was about who got nerfed that really opened up your ability to play the game again. Is that correct? So I think I the think... single go ahead. Scott. Go, Scott. Sorry, yeah, go. I was you know, I was gonna say the one thing that um was good about having a weak faction without an identity to start is it forced dedicated sisters players to really dig deep. Um, and I mm. think that that is in part why you see some of the faction loyalists having some success. Uh Currently, you know, you look at, um, you know, Mitch has been doing well. I've been doing well. McWorp has been doing well. Brendan McKenzie. Um, and uh, now Jeff has been doing well all along. And those are, I think, four people who play almost nothing but sisters. And I think that our struggle through the first part of 10th before the data slate um, forced us to be uh, creative so that when the data slate did drop, we knew the tools that we wanted to use. Um, we knew the cool combos that we wanted to implement, mm. and um, we were able to take more of it while our opponents were able to take less. And in particular, you think about the changes to like Overwatch, for example, or Towering, those were uh, big barriers to overcome for a Toughness 3, one wound army. Um, yes. So I think the data slate opened up a lot for us. 
And very well said as well about building that faction resilience and that faction uh, mastery before you even essentially get to play with uh, a huge portion of your book. Sorry, Mitch, you go. Yeah, I I think everything Scott said is absolutely true, but I think there is one overarching change which completely reshaped how we play sisters, which is the loss of dev wounds as a rule which made anti-tank guns randomly incredible into infantry units. Completely agree, yeah. And... For an army of T3 inexpensive one-wound bodies, Dev Wounds is about the most horrifying thing you could possibly imagine. Mm. But with it gone, a bunch of cheap three-up saves with that are always in cover because 10th edition actually is a bit of a problem to remove. And I found that 10 Battle Sisters or even 5 Seraphim are like a lot tougher than you think, especially when you add in Miracle Dice potentially many Miracle Dice if they're near the Triumph. And that just little bit of just a little bit more durable than you want, actually I found has been very impactful in the Modern Sisters meta. So that, above everything else, is the thing that may be the most excited to figure out the faction again. Beautiful. Very, very well said, boys, and much appreciated. The uh, the enthusiasm, the passion rising up even. Badum snare drum. Let's go. A time <laughs> to review some army rules. First of which is Acts of Faith. I don't have time to read this, gentlemen. I, I just, just can't be bothered because I already know what this rule does and it's very simple, but there, there's a lot of words here. So I will hand pass it to Scott. Give us the TLDR on how Acts of Faith uh, works and what people need to know about this rule. Yeah, absolutely. So we won't read all those words, but the punchline is Acts of Faith is how we gain and use Miracle Dice. So According to the army rule, we gain Miracle Dice at the start of every turn, and then every time an Adeptus or Rorathas unit is destroyed. Um, There are other ways that you can gain Miracle Dice. One is having Battle Sisters on an objective at the beginning of your turn. You get one additional Miracle Dice for every Battle Sisters squad that you have on a different objective. And then you can also, uh, when you kill units from a unit that contains a Simulacrum, you'll also get a Miracle Dice. And then finally, you can recycle some Miracle Dice when you use Cherubs. Um, Now, these Miracle Dice can be used once per unit per phase. So, for example, if I had two units that wanted to use a Miracle Dice in the shooting phase, they could. Each of them could once, but no more than once. We'll get into units that allow us to kind of break this rule, um, and I'm referring to the Triumph. And then um, the other way in which that Miracle Dice are not used, but rather... um, uh, utilized in a different way is you can discard them for certain stratagems or abilities. And the Miracle Dice itself is rather than making a roll, you substitute the dice you would roll for a Miracle Dice. And you can substitute a dice in an advanced roll, a Battleshock test, a charge roll, a damage roll, a hit roll, a saving roll, or a wound roll. So notably, you can't dis- you can't substitute it for something like number of shots for an exorcist, for example. But uh, that's generally how Miracle Dice work. Anything to add, Mitch? Yeah, I mean, that's basically it. The only thing I'd add is, while that sounds like a cool rule, the practicalities of it is that it's a very cool rule. And even in the <laughs> players at tournaments who'll say, oh, I played Sisters a bunch, I routinely surprise them by doing something with Miracle Dice they didn't expect, like failing a save, for example. Um, yeah. yeah, you can do a lot of cool things with that rule. Uh, so the rule is fantastic. In fact, well, we have seen this is the Fate Dice Light. I think we we all called it when it first came out. Well, the first in, incarnation Ugh. of Fate Dice at the start Ugh. of the edition, which Adam. is not where it is right now, praise be. <laughs> but it is still a phenomenal rule. You get to break the rules of the game. You get to have set results for things. You get to do things with purpose, with certainty. Uh, and that is just so empowering in a, in a D6-based game. Now, a lot has been said over the different iterations of Miracle Dice since the Sisters of Battle have become their own codex. Um, 
this, uh, some some have had not enough miracle dice. Some have had too many, and you just they're dead. You just they're useless. I think that was at the end mm-hmm. of ninth. I just saw peer players with like ending the game with fifteen miracle dice of ones, twos, and three denomination because all the fours and pluses have been used for everything. Um, yeah. Is, is there too many, not enough, or just right in this incarnation? So, at the start of the edi- of the edition, I would say there are way too many. You would be in the same situation. I've got all these ones, twos, and threes, and it's even worse because mm-hmm. in ninth edition, a low roll was good for morale. Now there's no good low rolls in the game, right? It used to be, oh, yeah. I got a one, great, I'll pass morale once. Um, so at the start of the edition, we all thought, okay, there's tons of these things. They're pretty worthless. Like, we're happy when we get a six or maybe a four or five. But, like, otherwise, they're just going to sit in the tray and, and not be relevant unless they need to make a tiny advance. But nowadays, we've found a few tricks. Uh, and I'm sure we'll probably get to them. But they're, uh, I like to call them Miracle Dice Dump Units. Most good lists yep. will have one unit that can just eat 5, 10, 15 Miracle Dice in one or two activations uh, and just dump out all those garbage dice into spectacular results. So anymore, I'm ending my game with no Miracle Dice because I have a way to just dump them off, even the bad ones, when I need to. How how intriguing that you've actually gone, you've, 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 you as a player base have been like, okay, we have this resource we can't use. So how do we actually change how we play the game to get value out of it? Because this is a core rule that is extremely powerful and yeah anytime i I would be sitting there frustrated as uh, i know as a sisters player being like i have all these things that would do stuff for me but nowhere no outlet for them so that's very intriguing to me they've gone the back way into making this uh this this rule work for you scott any more to add from your side of the street about things people should know or interesting points about miracle dice you know i think there's one thing that's still in contention is um when you substitute a miracle dice for a role that involves more than one die so um, what I'm specifically referring to is a charge roll, for example. Um, you know, I have uh, a squat, a unit coming out of reserves. I want to make a nine-inch charge. Great. Well, I can only substitute one dice for my act of faith. So I'll substitute mm-hmm. a six, and I'll rely yeah. on myself rolling a three for the charge. But the question still remains, at least from Games Workshop, is whether or not if I fit, if I fail to roll a three on that first roll, when I uh, CP re-roll, do I get to keep the miracle dice I used, or do I have to re-roll both dice? Mm. Um, and there's an argument for, uh, the possibility that you can keep the dice in that in order for a dice to be re-rolled, it has to be rolled first, but miracle dice explicitly say that you never roll a dice, you substitute a dice. Um, so that, you know, rhetoric led to, uh, I think FLG, UKTC, and then, uh, you know, other local tournaments ruling that you can keep the dice on a charge re-roll. But I think yeah. WTC has re-rolled the, or excuse me, has rolled the opposite. So you have to re-roll yeah. both dice. So um, that's still up in the air. Easy. Then that, it sounds perfectly reasonable. I think to debate about. I mean, I think at yeah. the end of not, like in ninth edition, it was re-rolled both. Yeah. Ninth edition, the rule allowed you to substitute both dice. Um, yes, and, that's so and it was never an issue. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly right. So it wasn't a big deal at all. All right, moving on. We have the detachment, which is Hallowed Martyrs, and the detachment rule therein, the Blood of Martyrs. And everyone will know this one because it's it's a, it's become a bit of a meme, especially in certain other certain matchups, say, versus Admech. Um, each time a Sisters or a Dipterosaurus model from your army makes an attack, add one to the hit roll if the model's unit is below starting strength, and add one to the wound roll if you are below half strength. For the purposes of ability, if a unit has a starting strength of one, it's considered to be below half strength, whilst lost one or more wounds. So you hurt me, I get more better. You hurt me lots, I get even more, more better, is essentially the way this reads. Uh, both good buffs, both are quite relevant, especially, you know, you lose one model of a unit of 10, that's nine other models that, you know, 
hit on uh, with possible hit, possible hitting on twos. Is this a good rule? Go, Scott. Oh, that's a loaded question. Is it a good rule? Well, I would say that uh, at its face value, it doesn't seem like a very good rule for um, one wound, toughness three bodies mm. um, that are very prone to dying before they get to benefit from this rule. But I think this is also a space in which um, players have tried to come up with ideas as to how to benefit from this rule. And there are, I think, a couple of unit types that uh, are more likely to benefit, and mm-hmm. which is to say survive long enough to benefit from being below full strength or being below half strength. So looking at things like your, your tanks, castigators, exorcists, they take some chip damage and all of a sudden they're uh, plus one to hit, which is really yeah. nice if you're shooting indirect. Um, uh, or things like arcoflagellants, which are surprisingly durable. Uh, and they can actually kill themselves if they decide to attack with hazardous weapons. And then all of a sudden, instead of hitting on fours, they're hitting on threes, which is a big mathematical difference. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, personally, I've incorporated those kinds of elements into my list and, the, and they have seen more benefit from the detachment rule. But a lot of other, um, I think, units are less likely to benefit just by the nature of sisters being relatively f- fragile. Uh, yeah. That being said, we, you know, like Mitch alluded to, we can always manipulate Miracle Dice to keep units alive. And maybe out of those five battle sisters, you hang on to that multi melta so that when it shoots back, it's got plus one to hit and plus one to wound. Absolutely fair enough. And on those terms, it does look really good, but you're absolutely correct about the resilience issue. So let's say you have a unit of, of five sisters of battle. They're, they're not, sorry, uh, five sisters equivalents, toughness three, three up save. They are not getting a lot of return for this. So at one unit, at one model dead and two models dead, sure, they're getting it. And then three models dead, well, there's, then there's two models with, you know, debatable weapons hitting with plus one here, plus one wound. Like, yeah, the return is maybe they're still acting like they have three or four models there, but that's still not pushing it past the boundaries of what it would be, should it be, you know, should it be five, etc. Um, Mitch, anything to add on Blood of Martyrs? This rule gives me faith and hope for the Swartis because it is so colossally bad that when we get any detachment rule of any value whatsoever, imagine how good our faction will be. That is my take on Blood of Mars. <laughs> that is, that is oh, both a, a much more it. pessimistic and much more optimistic take it at is. the same time. You, you, you failed both correctly. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, jumping into the strategies. Uh, I'll stick with you, Mitch, because you had such a short reply. Tell us about Divine Intervention. Oh, gosh. Divine Intervention. Is this our resurrection strat? It is, right? You're making me remember their actual names. Yes. Uh, so Divine Intervention. This is one of the two best strats in the book. Uh, it's one of the best strats in a lot of books, honestly. It goes like this. Mm-hmm. One CP, if a character dies, it comes back to life uh, with one to three wounds, with you discarding one to three Miracle Dice. So discard two Miracle Dice comes back on two wounds. Uh, any unit can do it, except for Celestine, who has a built-in come back to life uh, on full wounds on a two-up, mm-hmm. it, it, which is just unreal. Like, if your Triumph dies, nope, not today. Um, if you're The one good use for Blood of Martyrs, if your Palatine with a Blade of St. Eleanor, which is a special enhancement, dies, when she comes back, she comes back on one wound, and she's hitting a plus one hit, plus one wound. So, like, it's... If you get shot when you're standing on an objective by Tau, well, you're going to stand up at the end of that shooting phase, mm-hmm. and there's nothing mm-hmm. they can do about it. It's really, really good. You'll use it every we game. Ha- 
we have seen this like effect be added to every every faction that can take it. Votan yeah. is putting it on Iron Here Champions. We have the Phoenix yep. Champion being taken in every single Eldar list. Uh, feel, it feels like forever. It's ha- hasn't been. It's been like six months, but it feels like forever. Uh, and yeah. yeah, this the fact that you have a one set. Sorry, this is a one CP strat. We should read that yep. out as well. Um, and it's in any phase. It's no. It's, it, I mean, psychic phase. You know, a movement phase. Something I don't know. Somehow, you know, it doesn't matter. It's any phase. I think this is one of the stratagems in the game that everyone should know about because it can bite you in the butt. Uh, don't Scott, knock the movement that, phase, man. Don't like the move phase. If you want to run at that stupid demolitions expert in yes. GSC who lobs bombs at you, die and charge her anyway. It's exactly great. Right. What, was that other, what was that other phase you mentioned? The psychic? Psy, psy, Never heard of it. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. don't know what that is. I, I, Got yeah, it. We, we don't do that here. We do not? <laughs> no. There's the, the, that psychic phase? Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's hallowed antiquity. Never be heard of again. We should never see it's like. But anyway, moving on. Uh, tell us about Light of the Emperor, Scott. Uh, Light of the Emperor, I would probably rank among our worst stratagems, um, but you know we have some pretty good ones. Um, Light of the Emperor is a one CP stratagem you can use in your command phase, and uh, what it allows you to do is um, oh, and it's only on units that uh, below starting strength. Mm-hmm. And what it allows you to do is ignore any or all modifiers to its characteristics. And I would say that the most useful circumstance for this is. Um, if you need to, instead of paying one CP once per game to pass a ba- battle shock test, mm-hmm. you can just actually use Light of the Emperor. So if they fail their battle shock test, you can you can ignore the modifier to reduce the OC to zero. Uh, similarly, um, for uh, against Tyranids, if they do their once per game kind of force battle shocks across the board, you can use this uh, on your unit so that you can still retain control of your objective even if you fail their battle shock test. Um, so I think is there a way to use this. It's the way you use a stratagem on a unit that's battle shocked because that's what I thought you couldn't use stratagems on units battle shocked. So it's before you you can use it before you roll the battle shock test. Oh, of course, that's right. So then yeah, if you so do if you do fail, then um, your OC you can ignore the OC modification to zero. Very cute. I like that yeah. a lot. Um, does this ignore minus one damage? So I think that's still debated. I think recently, what was it? Um, it may have been one of the Warhammer events that ruled that. You know, stratagems like this that ignore modifiers um, don't allow you to ignore minus one damage or armor of mm. contempt. I don't know. Can Mitch, can you speak to that any further? I thought there was a recent ruling on that. I I don't know how a particular event ruled. There's its standing guidance that however a judge rules that a, like even a, you know, GW sponsored event does not make it canon. My read of the designer's commentary is that an attack counts as a characteristic. It says as much in the commentary, and this says ignore characteristic modifiers. So my instinct says it should work for, you know, ignoring half damage, like on, for example, uh, the Incarn, but ask your TO. Yep. Yep. Yeah, ask your TO. Because uh, that is literally the best use I can see for this. Uh, it's just such a unique bandwidth. One CP for a thing that is hurt but not dead. To then ignore modifiers in a meaningful way, so it's it's pretty. And unique. in your command phase, so you've got to like think way yes. ahead, unless it's the morale yes. thing. Yeah, yep. It's it's very very strange. Anyway, uh, holy rage is the next one. One CP. It's in the fight phase. One adeptus sororitas unit from your army that has not been selected to fight this phase until the end of the phase. Each time a model in your unit makes a melee attack, add one to the wound roll. One CP plus one to wound. I don't hate it. Don't know how often it's going to come up or it's going to be necessary, but I love that it's one CP slap down hit harder. Um, sounds pretty good, really. It comes up a lot. 
Um, the two most common use cases are, we'll get to them at some point, arcoflagellants have twin linked with four or six mm -hmm. attacks each. And so when they're wounding on fives instead of sixes with full rerolls, that bends the math quite significantly. It's just yeah. like, hey, tank, here's 25 saves, you know, do your best. Yeah, um, we, we weren't going to do, we were going to do like less than half of this, but now he's 25. Right. And then the other use is uh, if Morphinval and her paragons charge into a vehicle, their weapons are mostly strength six, strength eight, which means into most T9, 10, 11 targets, they go from wounding on fives to fours. That's also quite material. So you yep. do use it a lot. Uh, it's like a good thing to have. Fair. Well, skipping uh, yourself then, Mitch, Scott, tell us about Spirit of the Mata. Yeah, so this is a two CP stratagem for fight on death. So, and you can wait until the enemy unit selects the targets of its attacks. Um, and I think notably the way that fight on death works is that uh, you are allowed to fight on death with one model at a time rather than the whole unit. So the way that that works with our um, detachment rule is that you say you have 10 arcoflagellants and you're, you fight on death. So the first mm -hmm. one that dies, that unit is at full strength. So there's no plus one to hit. There's no plus one to wound. The next five are fighting at below starting strength. So they will get plus one to hit. And then the last four are below half strength. So they'll get plus one to hit and plus one to wound should your opponent, you know, manage to kill 10 arcoflagellants in one activation. At least that's how yeah. I interpret the, the, the rule. And I mean, that is not too... I mean, if they come in, they wipe out the whole thing in combat. It's very easy for you to do, right? You roll one, yep. that hits that hits differently. Then you roll four, uh, four more that hit exactly. better. Then you roll five more that hit real good. Um, that, that, pretty simple. Uh, is this a... Is that your read of it as well, Mitch? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a good strat, but it's UCP. It's a threaten your opponent with it more than you Correct. use it strat, which yeah. is fine. Yeah, Wave that flag of, hey, I can do this, and then, you know, do it very infrequently. Uh, Suffering and Sacrifice is up next. This is 1CP. Uh, actually, no, sorry, we're going to leave this one for Mitch. I'm going to do Rejoice the Fallen, which is the next one, 1CP. Use this oh. stratagem in your opponent's shooting phase just after an enemy unit has resolved its attacks. One attempt to destroy his unit from your army that has one or more of his models destroyed as a result of the attacking unit's attacks. I love reading attacking units attacks. Yay, yeah. yay. Uh, yay, the English language. Uh, you can shoot as if it was your shooting phase, but it must target only that enemy unit when does so. And if doing so, uh, it has to be an actual target. So one CP, just shoot back. They shoot you, you shoot them back. Um, I like this stratagem quite a lot. And this is a, yet another one that I have. I have this in Dark Angels and I tell my opponent about it lots and lots and lots and use it very, very rarely. How are you guys the same? Yeah, I, you know, I think there's the... So first of all, you have to note that a, a model has to be destroyed. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you can't really use it for your tanks. But uh, I think the one use case is the Battle Sister Dialogus Palatine Triumph combo. Um, because if you've got a squad of in total 12 sisters and you pick off only two or three of them, um, we'll talk about this combo later, but it allows you to shoot back with your Meltas, which are going to be um, surprisingly uh, more damage than you would think a Melta mm. can be. So I mm -hmm. think that's probably the best use case for this stratagem. But like you said, it's more of um, letting your opponent know you can do it so they, they don't shoot your unit. Yeah, um, yeah. exactly right. Um, okay, Mitch, Suffering and Sacrifice, tell us a story. Thank you, Adam, for giving me this one. So Suffering and Sacrifice is one CP stratagem. Uh, here's the way it works. At the start of the fight phase, you're going to nominate a unit and... Anything within engagement range of that unit has to punch it. It can't punch anything else. So even if it's base to base with some other unit, if it's within mm -hmm. an inch of the unit that you use this ability on, you're, that unit's getting punched instead. Uh, this is a phenomenal strategy for controlling the fight phase, especially a faction that has 25-point Crusader units and 30-point characters and cheap battle sisters all over the place. 
Um, I believe this is probably the second best stratagem in the game for its utility and power to control the outcome of a match behind only Phantasm. So bold statement, yeah. but uh, it's very good. Very good. It is exceptional. Now, this was this was an effect that we saw pretty judiciously in books in 9th edition. I know um, yeah. Blood Angels, it was a bread and butter. It was literally one of the bread and butter um, Blood Angel stratagems that they used. You know, Jack Harpster won LVO using this, a similar stratagem. Uh, Black Templars had a version of it. I know um, there was a couple other armies that had versions of this. So this, this now seems... We were racking our brains here. This now seems to be the only one, right? Of this, of I, this ilk. I don't know any other factions, Adam. What are you talking about? I, I don't know of any other factions that have it. Yeah. Barking up the wrong tree. Scott, you go, mate. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I don't know of any. What do you think of the stratagem, though? Oh, yeah. I echo what Mitch says. Uh, it's an incredibly powerful tool. I mean, you can just send Crusaders into Angron or the Incarn. Well, not the Incarn. Um, you know, the Avatar and just tie it up for turn after turn and not let it do yeah. anything. You know, you've got a big melee army charging down your throat and all it's going to do is swing at a couple crusaders or a few battle mm. sisters. Uh, it's incredibly powerful tool. Now this gets better, the better, the, uh, the smaller the footprint and the better the model gets. Yeah. Having two, yep. having like six units of sisters, just like, like, you know, pillow fighting Angron's ankles. And then he's like, I literally have the attack to kill everything in this zip code, but I have to kill these two crusaders. I'm not allowed to touch anything else. Just these two crusaders get all my wrath. I think that is just hilarious to me. Um, but then at the same time, I think about this as, a, say, a, a, a unit of primaries crusaders in Black Templars. And I'm like, well, I just don't. I just, I just try and maneuver my army, keep my army either spread out or condensed, depending if which one's going to help, and don't let you get too many guys in base contact with anything. Um, yeah. And then it, it loses a lot of value. Is that safe to say? I mean, the, you don't use it like all the time when a random unit gets charged. This is most useful, like when you say, Adam, like you mentioned with Angron, when you go into a Death Star unit, you just want to mm. make it not work. Like a Brick of Ten Terminators is about the best thing that a modern Sisters list will see because I'll send my flat three damage Palatine into them and you will never punch her. Yes. <laughs> While she slowly kills him over three or four fight phase activations. So. Yeah, it's a very good strategy for those kinds of targets. And yeah, if you're, is, sorry, yeah, yes. I, I, yeah, I generally use it, I, I would say, more commonly in an offensive manner. Mm, well, yeah. to keep a unit alive, but in, in my turn. Um, there's one thing to remember about Arcoflagellants, too, is their base width is less than an inch. So you can get into some kind of fun scenarios there where if you have Arcoflagellants in the front line and a couple of Crusaders kind of base-to-base behind them, if there's a you know one big target charging those arcoflagellants, all of a sudden again they have to swing at the couple of crusaders standing base to base behind the arcoflagellants. Hmm. But uh, that is, there's that is some niche cases. Yeah. yeah. So as for talking now, that's that's all six stratagems as everyone else gets. Uh, talking about the stratagem package, there's a little bit of nothing here to buff shooting. Actually, there's literally nothing here to buff shooting. Uh, <laughs> don't know what to tell you, but there is quite a bit here to buff Melee, and as we know, Melee was not where the game was played for the first bit of 10th edition. Is that one of the big reasons that this book suffered? You just have like half your stratagems just do nothing if it's a shooting if it's a, a shooting matchup? I mean, I think the reason our book suffered is because in 9th edition, the book was Melted Guns and Melee, and then both yes. were neutered materially. Uh, I, I don't think the stratagem support was the major problem. I actually think our stratagem package is above average. Like if you ranked okay. strictly stratagems, I think okay. we're like top third or top 25% as a package of six. If you, if you compared like for like merely strats, like for like, um, I, I think absolutely you come out ahead. My yeah. uh, two issues here, 
Uh, there's not a single thing to buff shooting and not a single thing to increase durability. And those are the things that I always look for. I look for things to make better shooting, better combat, better melee, and or better speed. And I don't see three of those. And yet this is still a good stratagem suite. So it's actually quite interesting to say because there is a bunch of things, a bunch of very unique things here. The one that I do not have, where is my Trinity? Where is my Holy Trinity people? I want to, oh, I, 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 want, I wanted a strat to make the gun good, to make the flamer, melter, storm bolter combo or, or one of those good, because that's been such a, a core tenant of the identity here, and it is entirely removed. And I'm hoping it comes back in the Codex when they get a few more detachments. But uh, does that stick in your core as well, Scott? Yeah, absolutely. You know, not to, to say that we relied on the uh, spreading the Holy Trinity in, in Bloody Rose, for example, but uh, it was a, p- a piece of the fluff that was missing. Hmm. Yeah. All right, moving on to the enhancements. I'll do the first one because it's the easiest. Uh, nightly example. This is um, Adeptus Royals models only. I'm not going to say that again because it's in the Adeptus Royals index. Be very surprising, GW have said Orc models only. Uh, well, the, when the bear is destroyed, you gain an additional D3 Miracle dice. Um, I'm quickly going to pull up the points while we are chatting about this, but is this one that gets taken by you, gentlemen? Saintly example is only 10 points, I believe, uh, or maybe 15. Mm-hmm. It's... It's real good because if you combine it with uh, divine intervention, your character dies, explodes in a fountain of miracle dice, comes back to life, dies, explodes in a second fountain of miracle dice. So unless your opponent is taking assassinate, feels real good to go get your characters killed. Um, it's it's a pretty solid one. Good. It ten points. Yeah, exactly right. So it is, it is not breaking the bank. Uh, Scott, tell us about the next one. Uh, this is probably our best enhancement. And when I say probably, I mean it is our best enhancement. Is the blade of Saint Eleanor for fifteen points? You can uh, add one to the attacks, strength, and damage characteristics of the bear's melee weapons. So this is best utilized on a Palatine who has base four attacks, AP two, damage two, at strength four. So that bumps her to five attacks, strength five, AP two, damage three. So it's one of our uh, few sources of damage three in the fight phase, first of all. But if the bearer has lost one or more wounds, then you add two attacks to the strength and damage, or add two to the attack strength and damage characteristics. So all of a sudden, if you have um, a Palatine who is killed and you stand them up with divine intervention and they're down to one wound, you have um, a 65 point model that has six attacks, AP two uh, at strength six, uh, damage four. Uh, so it's an incredibly powerful enhancement, particularly when you take it with units that can augment the output even further mm. and then of course when you stood her back up she is below half strength and she'll be plus one to hit plus one to wound as well exactly um, absolutely incredible value so that brings her up to is it 80 points for the package 65 for the palatine 15 for the blade no, 65 includes the palatine is 50 <gasps> and the blade is 15 <gasps> that's ridiculous yes adam we do remind <laughs> our opponents of the points tally every time she kills a brick of terminators Good. by herself every Good. time you should have nice things. I, I I like this. This is a very good sword. This is incredible. <laughs> Possibly the best yep. sword in the game in context, as in the best melee, the melee, best melee buff in the game in context, uh, enhancement-wise. Tell us about Litany's, please, Mitch. All right, Litany's of Faith. So this one is pricey. This is a 25-point enhancement. And I'll raise my hand and say, starting the edition, I thought this was not a take. And yet, I've almost never taken it after trying it. But basically, what this thing does... If the bear is on the battlefield, you can reroll one miracle dice from your command uh, from your miracle dice pool at the start of your at the end of your command phase. So pick up a dice, reroll it. You don't like that too. Reroll it. Hey, it's a six now. Uh, also, as a bonus, 
if the bearer is injured or is leading a unit below half strength, you get to reroll three miracle dice instead of one, which is wow. pretty great. But the problem is 25 points is also two crusaders. So it's often hard to find the points for this, and I end up cutting it every time I add it to my list. But it is fine for what you it is. You are one of the very few books that has increments uh, small enough to that yeah. enhancements yeah. are directly proportionate to uh, to units. And so, yeah, actually, you have a, a, a issue no one else has in that respect. I think yep. only Tyranids is the same. Like, they have Ripper Swarms and little nonsense. They can just chuck in if they've got the points instead of enhancements. Um, Scott, do you take this one? No. Um, I think that... <laughs> no. I, yeah, I think I had the same impression as Mitch to start. Uh, you know, maybe it would turn those ones, twos, threes into more valuable dice, but uh, frankly, it's not worth it. And Fair we can enough. talk about the, the ways that we get rid of those lousy dice anyway. Well, sticking with you, Scott, tell us about the last one, Mantle of Ophelia. Yeah, Mantle of Ophelia, I'd probably say, even though I don't take litanies, I'd say Mantle of Ophelia is probably our uh, least taken and um, worst enhancement. So it's a Canonist or Palatine model only. For 20 points, then uh, each time an attack is allocated, the bearer change the damage characteristic of that attack to one. You know, for a three-wound model, it, it doesn't. it's not terribly impressive, and only three wounds need to go through. And often these characters, yeah. either you want them with one of the other enhancements, uh, particularly the Blade of St. Eleanor. Um, so the use case and the value is pretty low. Yeah, if you had like a generic Morven Vile, like there was a Cadenes in a in a in a Walker where she had a decent toughness and wound value, this would be great. Or a, or like a tank commander or some crap like that equivalent. It was, this would be phenomenal. But yeah, like you said, low toughness, low model count innately makes this very valueless. Like you, you're just going to yeah. die regardless. And you know, um, there's the, the Cadenes is a once per game ability to take a two up invulnerable save for the phase. Yes. So, you know, initially it was like, oh, this is kind of cute. We can take a canoness and give it the mantle of Ophelia. And for a whole phase, it's really hard to kill. Um, but frankly, it's, it doesn't really do anything beyond that. Yeah, I, I would go so far to say as this relic is an act of heresy because <laughs> the sororitists want to die for the emperor. If you're busy living, what are you doing with your life? Terrible. Absolutely right. terrible. Um, so as for the enhancement suite, Mitch, uh, where do your points go? Is it certainly an example in Blade of St. Eleanor? I think Blade of St. Eleanor is the auto include here. But uh, it's certainly an example of the next one that makes the, the cut, and then the other two are just never heard of. Blade of St. Eleanor has been in every list I've ever written because there's always a Palatine or a Canonist who wants it. I will include that model for the blade happily. Yep. Saintly example is I have 10 points left over. Neat. And I have a character that can hold it. Neat. Sure, that's where those yeah. 10 points go. But I wouldn't build around it. Easy done. Scott, much the same? Yep, absolutely. And there should you should never make a sister's list that's like any less than 1995 points. You can always <laughs> find a 10 points here yep. somewhere. Uh, I, I love hearing that because that's one of the most frustrating things I've found with 10th edition. Just there's some armies that I really enjoy that just cannot make a 2,000-point army. Well, they can, but you know what I mean? Like the, the army I want to play yeah. can never be 2,000 points. The archetype or the, the, the list I want to, to build can never be 2,000 points. And it's just it's very infuriating for my sensibilities. Anyway, um, that is the end of the rules portion of this. And as we do when we get to this point, I turn to these gentlemen and I give them a purview of three data sheets each. Uh, to tell us about, to show us through, to give you guys information on what two faction experts think is good and we need to know about and they need to unpack for us. So, you know, bit of info for the budding uh, sisters player out there and also for the people who may be getting punished by them on the tabletop. We'll start with Scott. Give us a, a data sheet of note for the people out there that we can unpack. Oh, boy, Adam. So <laughs> there's one combo that requires four data sheets, but... Uh, we'll just start with uh, one data sheet here. We'll keep it simple. The Arco Flagellants. 
So the Arcoflagellants uh, are a two-wound Toughness 3 model with no armor save, but they do have a four-up Feel No Pain. They move seven inches, and at base, they can attack four times per model at weapon skill four with sustained hits one, strength five, twin-linked damage one. Um, If they choose to make their weapons hazardous, then they get six attacks per model. So you have pretty much a bucket of strength five attacks without AP and a bucket Mm -hmm. of incredibly efficient wounds. You can take 10 of these for 130 points and get 20 wounds with a four up feel no pain. And I believe this is probably one of the most annoying things to kill for the opponent Mm -hmm. and uh, probably one of the most underestimated units in our, our book right now. Um, not only do they put out a bucket of attacks and have a bucket of effective wounds, but they um, also can just glom things up. There's 10 bodies on an objective. They're useful for suffering and sacrifice. And you're taking, um, you know, I think a lot of the folks that we talked to in the sisters discord are taking 20 or 30 of these um, to to great effect. You talk about the units that are the miracle dice sync. These guys just seem like they are purpose-built CP sync. Like, how many CP do you have? You could probably use all of them on this unit. It's they, they, they kind of are a perfect platform for taking to the sky, you know, with plus one to wound, fight on death, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like this unit a lot. I think it's exceptional. I wish it had a, a, I wish it had a one on the AP value, and then I think it, you could literally take it to the moon. But I, the fact it's still takeable, like at AP zero in the current game, it means... It is just how good it is. It's- oh, Adam! If you know, if we get a codex that has, has a bloody rose, has, uh, bloody oh, rose oh, oh, oh. Uh, detachment that gives us a just one little pip of AP. Oh, oh boy. boy, these guys are dangerous. Oof, oof, Mitch. The- uh, what are your thoughts on the Arcos? The all- I think Scott has it exactly right. He and I have been running thirty Arcos as the heart of our list for a little while now, and they are phenomenal in every way. The only thing I'd add here, Adam, is you've kind of fallen a little bit into the trap, which uh, a lot of people that I talk to fall into, which is they say, oh, it's only AP zero. And the most important thing to understand about Arcos is their combat profile is neat for shredding low uh, save units. But the most important thing they do is not die. And by having a unit that doesn't die, Sisters didn't have this unit in 8th or ninth edition, or even early 10th when dev wounds were more dangerous. Now that we have a unit that doesn't die, our whole playstyle can change, because you can just shove these things at people, and they're not dead. And yep. you can be pressing primary and, and you know not getting your other unit shot. And that raw value, they could have three attacks or two attacks, and I would still take 30. They're that good. Well, it's interesting you say that, because, I mean, the, 20, the unit of 20 Battle Sisters is gone. Yeah, you can only take 10s. Yep, exactly tens. Yep. So this is the equivalent wounds of 20 Battle Sisters. It doesn't have a 3-up save as a 4-up save because it's got a 4-up feel no pain. But it's on the feel no pain side of things, so it's actually a little bit better than the an armor save. So actually, funnily enough, this is quite a decent comparison for saying, well, I didn't have 20 Sisters of Battle, but I can have 10 Arco Flages. Uh, how many points is it for 10 Sisters? Is it 100, 100 points. Yeah, for 30 more points, you get double the wounds. That's that's uh, that's a price point, boys. That is an absolute value value point. Um, Here's a fun fact: they are the second most cost efficient, effective wounds per point unit in the game of 40k. They are barely edged out by nerglings, who have four wounds each on tiny cheap bases. But in effect, mm. four effective wounds per model at 13 points per model is unreal. It's like they're three points a wound or something silly. It's so. really, really quite, really quite good. All right, uh, Mitch, sticking with you, give us one of your data sheets. All right, Adam, can. 
we we go we go back a ways. Can I cheat and have one unit that's actually four units? Is that okay? Uh, well, one of these is going to do it. So let's just let's just get out of the way. All right, all right. Thank you, Thank sir. You. So I'm I'm going to nominate the Battle Sister Squad, and a lot of people who are not following the hottest and latest in sisters would be like, but Battle Sisters have been bad forever. Um, but let me tell you why. So the Battle Sister Squad when combined with some tricks, gets a little silly. So you take this unit of 10, you give them a multi-melt, a melted gun, and an inferno pistol. And, you know, like, oh, strength nine, you know, hitting on fours, it's going nowhere. Uh, so now you add a Palatine. So now the squad has lethal hits, combat, and in shooting. Then you add a Dialogus, which says when you use an act of faith, that miracle dice is changed to a six. So a one or a two is a six every time you use it. Now, I just said that we have lethal hits, so wouldn't it be great if I could use a lot of Miracle Dice and make all of my hits lethal? So mm-hmm. if you stand there near the Triumph, which I think the Triumph owns has her own category, and we should not talk about her here. But one of her buffs is use as many Miracle Dice as you like within six inches. So you walk these girls forward. You don't roll three dice out of your Miracle Dice tray. And you say, here's three lethal hits from my Melta Shots. And every failed every failed save, and it's AP4, is six or eight damage if you're in Melta range. And these girls will just casually kill a Land Raider without breaking a sweat. Here's three saves. Oh, you can't make two six-ups? It's dead. Uh, They are just unreal how much they kill into units that don't have great invulnerable saves. Um, And then when you're done killing a unit in the shooting phase by just miracle dicing it to death, you charge in with that Palatine, and she has five attacks, so you pick up five more miracle dice from your tray, and you usually have a lot of miracle dice by round two or three. This is a real thing Mm. that can happen. And you say, here's five lethal hits. AP, uh, you know, AP two, flat three damage. Oh, and also five mortal wounds on top of that because of a data sheet ability. And suddenly she's killed like three or four Terminators all by herself. This this unit is starting to sound like the pizza base um, of your choice. You know, you go, you get your, you get your pizza base, you put a little Posada on it, and then you just make of it whatever you need it to be. Yep. Um, That's extremely exciting. Extremely exciting for for a sister's player. Oh yeah, and and then of course when so so let's say you're paying chaos knights, you shoot one to death easily, you charge and punch another to death easily, and then when that third chaos knight comes to clean you up, you overwatch it to death because your sixes are all lethal hits. Yay! No. <laughs> yeah. <Not> yeah. <laughs> I've done this. I've killed three chaos knights in like one battle round with this unit. It's phenomenal. Wow. That is crazy. Scott, anything to pontificate in addition? Mitch explained it perfectly. The only thing I'll add just for kicks is should the next Chaos Knight be within 12 inches of a multi-melta or a melt-a-gun and decide to shoot your Battle Sister squad, you will then spend one CP to shoot back at that knight and pick up one more while we're at it. Absurd. Absolutely absurd. And terrifying. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. terrifying. And you got to um, chew through eight wounds before you get to the good bits, right? Because it's ten mm. battle sisters. So, and then when you when you get to the good bits, you know they can all get back up and do other nonsense. Yep. And yep, it gets even stickier from there. All right, or Scott. you just use your shield of faith and drop one more miracle dice to pass that six up save that you might need to keep the multi multi alive or what have. That's you. true. Yeah, um, Scott, where are we going from here? Give us another data sheet. Oh, let's see. Let's see. I think um, one of the Humble Crusader squad, perhaps. No, maybe we'll skip that one. Um, Let's go with the Exorcist. You know, I think um, actually you can cut this part out. Let's go with Morvan Vol and her warsuits. Let's put those (laughs) together. Juicy. Um, So it's actually very interesting you guys are saying that because that's how I've had to, as an analyst of the game, I've had to start. You can't just look at a character and evaluate a character. Like when I see an army list, uh, I I can either not look at the characters and just look at the units, and then 
I can assume what characters will be there and usually be pretty close or the other way around because there's no everything comes with its combo there is no uh, I'm yep. just taking this it's good it can go with anybody no it goes with this like you don't have an apothecary biologist in your unit you know <laughs> without the aggressors etc um, but anyway tell us about Morvan Val mate yeah so Morvan Val uh, the Abyss Sanctorum the High Lord of Terra um, she kicks butt on her own but what really makes her shine is when she joins a group of Paragon of Suits um and it's probably, I would say, the biggest hammer that we have in our army outside of this mm-hmm. that cool little combo that Mitch just described. So just going over Morven Vol, she is in a Paragon Warsuit, which means she has a two-up save and a four-up invulnerable save. Uh, she is toughness six in her warsuit. She's also eight wounds and uh, OC two for what it's worth. So her weapons are Fidelis, which is a pretty much a fancy heavy bolter. It's strength six instead of strength five. Mm -hmm. Uh, and she'll be hitting on twos with it and then she also has a paragon missile launcher which either has a kind of weaker version of a melta that's only ap2 instead of ap4 um but at 36 range or it can be a blast weapon to kind of clear some chaff Um, i just love that you do not know what a missile launcher is uh because it just doesn't exist in your book because this is just a missile launcher (laughs) this is the type of missile oh that's so funny yeah yeah well there you go (laughs) it's a paragon uh, missile launcher everything has to be related back to a a a melter the holy trinity how is it related to the holy trinity that's Uh, adorable sorry mate continue um uh, that's fine so morvan ball uh her melee weapon is the lance of illumination uh, and it has a strike profile and a sweep profile like a lot. This is also one of our other access to uh, a damage three melee weapon. But more importantly, her abilities. So while this model is leading a unit, each time a model on that unit makes an attack, you can re-roll the hit roll and you can re-roll the wound roll. So Morvan Vol managed to maintain some of her um, you know, prior greatness from ninth where she gave out full re-rolls, but now she can only give it to the squad that she's leading which will be a squad of Paragon Warsuits. So the Paragon Warsuits themselves, again, move eight inches. T6, two up, four up, four wounds apiece. Um, and they'll often be equipped. They can equi- be equipped with your uh, choice of the Holy Trinity, but you'll be equipping them with multi-meltas. Mm-hmm. And then they also have uh, swords that are strength six, AP two, damage two, or a war mace, which is strength 12, AP one, damage three. AP one is not very attractive, but when you have... Um, a squad of warsuits that are that have the vehicle keyword it's really nice to have a war mace that is strength 12 so that when you roll into a charge you can use tank shock and most of the time roll mm-hmm. um so i think this uh, unit out of reserves i think it's challenging to maneuver vehicles and walkers around walls and get the most out of your movement so what i like to do is put them in reserves and either wrap and ingress them safely or um Put the, come bring them out of the reserves in my turn um, using a six on a miracle dice for a charge if I need it. And then hopefully I roll that three and I'm playing at an event where I can keep my six on a CP reroll for the charge if I need mm. it. Um, and don't forget that this unit, you know, can benefit from all the other things that uh, the stratums that we talked about. So uh, plus one to wound in melee. And like Mitch mentioned, strength six and strength 12 are nice break points. Um, and as well as Morvan Ball's strength eight, uh, and then can fight on death, which is awesome with full rerolls, or even Overwatch with full rerolls. So, you know, six melt shots coming out of the war suits plus whatever Morvan Ball shooting um, means that full rerolls hitting on sixes is not too shabby. Mm. Uh, I think the, the only. So, do you take the Storm Bolters or the grenade launchers? Uh, uh, that's a very hot topic in uh, the sisters' discord. But the the punchline is Storm Bolters uh, are 
are high enough volume that they're decent at killing the chaff and their intended target. The grenades, if you do the math into a lot of targets, might be marginally better. Um, but I, I think you can you can argue either way um, is the punchline. Uh, I think one thing that I wanted to point out is for her um, her uh, Fidelis and Lance of Illumination, uh, her Righteous Repugnance ability, more involved, mm-hmm. says once per battle in your command phase, this model can use this ability. If it does until the start of your next command phase, it add three to the attacks characteristic of Fidelis and the Lance of Illumination. So generally speaking, um, in the command phase where you're going to use her, either you know your turn after you rapid ingress or the mm-hmm. turn that you anticipate she'll be coming out of strategic reserves, you can use this ability even if she's in reserves because it does not necessitate that she's on the battlefield. And then she'll be shooting more of her fancy heavy bolter. And when she does connect in melee, she'll be uh, get eight attacks at uh, weapon skill two, strength eight, AP two, damage three with devastating wounds. And damage three devastating wounds is really nice yeah. into those Terminators, Custodies, Absolutely. those kinds of things that we have a difficult mm-hmm. time breaking sometime, particularly with uh, full rerolls. So nice, nice, nice. Okay, um, Mitch, one more from yourself, mate. Ooh, okay. So I'm going to go in a different direction. We've been talking about stuff that slaps. Now it's stuff about stuff that stuff that shoots. I'm going to pick the Castigator Battle Tank. Uh, this babe is 140 points. She is T10, 11 wounds, so she's just like kind of a standard main battle tank. She yep. comes with three heavy bolters, which are heavy bolters, uh, five, one, two, uh, with sustain hits one. And she comes with a top gun. It can be either a battle cannon or an auto cannon. I'm going to talk about the battle cannon because it's the one I prefer, but this is also a little bit hotly debated. So the battle cannon is uh, D6 plus three blast shots. Strength 10, only AP 1, but flat 3 damage and ignores cover. So it's a true yeah. AP 1. Yeah. Uh, and it re-rolls the hit roll against vehicles and monsters. And, and at strength 10, it's hitting all wounding all infantry on twos. Uh, and that is a cool profile at 140 points, but it's not mind-bogglingly good. The sneaky trick behind the sisters book is when you're putting so much pressure on from your arcoflagellants and your battle sisters and your rhinos and your immolators, these things often fall pretty far down the priority queue of things you have to deal with. So they're often just pounding away for like two, three, four, or emperor help you five turns. And they just end up doing a lot of work and kill a lot of chaff. Um, And what sisters like to do is kill all of your chaff so you're not scoring points. My chaff is awesome. I'm scoring points. And then I kind of beat you on secondaries. And the Castigator plays a really important role in that game plan. So Cassie for life. All my lists run at least one. (laughs) I've bought my second one. She's on the paint desk right now. A very, very good unit um, in this incarnation of Sisters. Um, Also can force some battle shocks, which can be cute. And at 140 points, I think it's pretty adequately costed. I think it's probably about right for, for what it is. Yeah, the autocannon's cute too. It's four shots with rapid fire, so 48 inches, so rapid fire in it, 24, so it's eight yeah. shots inside 24 inches. It's AP1, but no ignores cover, so it's really like cheaters AP1, like it never actually happens. But it gets reroll hits against infantry, and it's twin-linked naturally. So reroll all hits, reroll all wounds in infantry is quite nice, um, and has a yeah. there's a case we made for it too. Damn, that's actually quite nice. Yeah, I like that too. Um, I, I suppose it's... It, it's sounding like it's going to be a meta pick. But anyway, on to the yep. last of the data sheets we'll be unpacking. Scott, take it away. Where are we going? Um, I think let's go with the Humble Seraphim squad. Um, Ooh, okay. I think we talked about uh, a lot of damage pieces, but I think the Seraphim squad is uh, one of the staples of scoring pieces for us. Um, you know, it's great into the meta elves. Uh, elves don't like hand flamers uh these 
come in squads of five, and two of the girls can be equipped with two hand flamers apiece. And we're not talking any old, like, normal hand flamer here. We're talking <laughs> Ministorum hand flamers. So uh, they are strength four as opposed to strength three. They ignore cover, uh, D6 shots, uh, damage one. So it's nice into the elves, but more importantly, they have the shoot and scoot ability, mm-hmm. um, which uh allows them to uh, in this in in our book it's called angelic ascent but um it allows us that after we shoot we're allowed to scoot six inches so i find it really really useful for for example uh if an opponent is being a little bit lazy about how they're towing onto an objective well i'm just going to move nine inches away from them shoot them and then scoot onto the objective to steal it or um if it's Turn two, and God forbid you draw behind enemy lines and you can't bring in your Crusaders in their deployment zone, then you can kind of plop these ladies down uh, about six inches away from the deployment zone, shoot something, and scoot into the deployment zone. Um, they're great for a screen, move block, overwatch in some cases. So I think mm-hmm. they're a really valuable utility piece for 70 points. Yes, um, I was about to say, 70 points is uh, a bargain essentially. For, yeah. They're bringing the similar utility to, I guess, Inceptors, but they have the, they have the scoot instead of the three-inch deep strike. Um, yeah. I think they're absolutely amazing. Yeah, I never build a list without at least one, but you know, almost all the time, at least two. All right, that's going to bring us to the end of the review portion here. we got one more thing we do with every index before we wrap things up. Um, Mitch, out of 10, right here, right now, so not, not pre-data slate, out of 10, yeah. how happy are you with this index now? 12. 12 out of 10 happy. <laughs> I, I I gotta say, Adam, I, I've obviously been playing Sisters exclusively for a very long time. I started collecting in 3rd edition. I played competitively in 8th and really 9th and 10th. Sisters have never been this fun to play. They've been great in the past, but they've never just been this enjoyable. With Arcos running around, flailing the living daylights of everything, Battle Sisters are viable. I'm playing Paragons finally. There's just so much fun to be had in putting these girls on the table. Genuinely as fun as it's ever been for me. Um, 12 out of 10. Well, I do totally agree. And I think you know the other iterations where I think Sisters have, obvi- have probably been stronger than they are now, but it's always been a very solved book, a very solved build, very solved equation. Yep. I feel like this is a, the kid in the candy store. The, we're very much in the forming or before the norming stage uh, of change here for the sisters where nothing is really set and you can kind of do whatever you like. Scott, how about Absolutely. yourself? How happy are you out of 10 with this? Oh, yeah, I'm very happy. I'll, I'll, I'll echo Mitch's 12. Uh, I feel like... Um, <laughs> you both suck. I don't, I don't think that we are... No, no, I'm being, I'm being serious. It's not sarcastic. <laughs> it did come across that way, though, didn't it? Anyway, no, no. Um, the... Uh, I, I think that we are in a great spot right now. I don't think we're overtuned. I don't think people, you know, walk up to the table and see sisters and say, oh, I got to play sisters. You know, people didn't like playing against Bloody Rose sitting behind a castle in a ruin. And I feel like um, we are much more engaging. The list diversity, like you like you alluded to, is is incredible. Uh, people are finding success with all sorts of builds, not just the 30 Arcoflagellants that Mitch mm-hmm. and I have been using. Um, the play style is very different than it was, um, I think, last edition. And I have a lot of fun putting them on the tabletop. I got tanks. I got girls. I got prisoners that I'm sending off to die. Um, I, I think it's just a it's a good time to be an Adeptus Rotas enthusiast. Yeah. I mean, uh, that last book, yeah, came... I remember... So I played Space Marines and or Grey Knights for all of last edition. And I remember Sisters Codex came out. And then within a month, the Bloody Rose list was built. And then I remember at the end of not, uh, that entire edition playing the exact 
same build. It did not change. It, in the the bones of that list changed maybe two hundred points in the, the 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 two or so years it was released. It, like it got was really quite dull. I wouldn't look at sisters players lists when I play, when I matched up against sisters players at events. I'd be like, cool, playing sisters. It's either bloody rose. Or it's worse than what I think it is. So there's no reason to look at it. <laughs> it was just, it, it was quite, uh, uh, it, surely it would have gotten quite stale and boring for you. So no wonder you guys are so enthusiastic about this at the moment. Um, all right. So the last thing we do is we rate where they're sitting right now competitively uh, on our tier scale. So traditionally, you know, the, the D tier up till S tier. So Mitch, where would you put sisters in the competitive lexicon right now? So I'm incredibly biased for sure. Um, really, but I really, but mate. I, <laughs> but I think, well, I had to preface this cause that one's going to disagree with me, but I think if you assume hands of a, like a high quality player, I think sisters are a plus tier. I think there are a few factions better than us, notably CSM and elves, but I think we have game into those factions. And I think we can beat any other faction in the game if played properly. Like I don't want to say comfortably, but with like a reasonable chance of success. So I generally think they are a lot better than most people uh, do right now our meta reps like one percent so no one even knows what we're talking about yet mm-hmm. but generally a plus tier um uh what about yourself scott you know before mitch said a plus i was in my head thinking a but uh i guess i'll just leave it at a i don't have to agree with everything Mitch says but yeah for the same exact reasons i think that um i think that we have uh there's not a lot of matchups where i feel like i'm really unfavored uh mm. And I think there are a couple tricky ones, but I do think that we have play into a lot of matchups. And I think that our play into L's and CSM is a lot stronger than other factions. So I'd, I'd put us at A. I totally agree. I think it's it's an A faction, A tier. And it's being proven, I think, by a very, like you guys have said, a very small player base, uh, very dedicated. And it's very interesting to see. I, I wonder if it's going to catch on because there were there are a lot more Sisters players out there, but uh, they're all uh, skewing and going and playing other things right now. So we'll see how many of you guys can attempt to come back to the fold over the next, you know, days, weeks, months, whatever. But on that note, we will wrap this up. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for joining me. Please go over and enjoy some Sister Act 40K. Uh, when's your next episode coming out, mate? This this episode is going to be coming out on Tuesday. Will your next episode be out by now or? No, our episode will be out uh, probably like early, early November, first couple of days of November. We just yep. did an interview with Jeff Klodner, the guy who won Tampa going 8-0. Beautiful. So, yeah. Fan freaking fantastic. Go over and enjoy some of that. Scott, you going to a tournament soon or you got anything coming up? Uh, you know, in the Midwest of the United States, there's not too much going on for the winter months, but I will be going to LVO. So I'm still hoping that I might be able to steal the number one ITC spot for sisters, but we'll see. Excellent. Love to hear it. Thank you very much for coming on again, gentlemen. We'll see you over in part two. Hopefully you will join us there over at Patreon at Audible Down Under. If not, thank you very much for your time, your ears, and hopefully you have been entertained and informed. And we'll see you next time at Audible Down Under. Take care. Say goodnight, gents. Good night. Good night. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.